0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So here we are in this passage where we've been for a few weeks. And Chris, why are you stuck in this section? Here's why. This section is about Jesus and who he is and how great he is. And when the storms of life come, the wind and the waves, you get your eyes off of how great our God is, and you begin to sink like Peter. And so Jesus is the most beautiful one that I know. He is the most attractive. No one compares to him. And she has just been hurt by the church. The church, the watchmen, they beat her in chapter 5. They beat her but she responds by not leaving oh the church has a bunch of hypocrites she stays in and tells the congregation listen after this beating i am sick with love And that testimony, after the pain, after the trial, to respond, I'm in sick with love, causes the others to say, what is so amazing about this guy? Why is your beloved so amazing to you? And she begins to answer and points to Jesus. Verse 10, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. No one compares to him. His head, remember that's leadership. His authority is the finest gold. So I want to submit to his authority because his headship, his leadership, it's perfect. There's no impurity in it. His locks are wavy black as a raven. His eyes are doves beside streams of water. bathed in milk. When I look at him, his milky eyes nourish me and it leaves me sitting beside a full pool verse 13 song of songs five his cheeks are like beds of spices mounds of sweet smelling herbs his lips are like lilies his lips are like lilies lilies represent a purity a white pure flower What's coming out of his lips are pure and he drips with liquid myrrh. Remember last week we spent a lot of time talking about the myrrh, myrrh, myrrh. Yeah, myrrh was the burial spice. So his words, even though they're coming from a pure place, they're calling you to deny yourself, take up the cross and follow. And because his love is, it's so strong. It's as strong as death. By the way, that's in Song of Songs 8. His, the love is so strong. It's as strong as death. Many waters cannot drown this flame out. If a man offered me all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised because I am sick with love. I'm sick with love. And here we are 14. His arms are rods of gold. Husbands, just put them pipes out next to your your ladies and just say, hey, rub these things of gold, baby. (laughs) Just rub rub these things. Fellas, you want your girl talking to you like that. Let me, yeah, come and hold me with them arms. Rods of gold. This represents again power and strength and safety, arms, arms. You are safe in his arms. Jesus says, nothing can snatch you out of my hands. Nothing, 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 nothing in all creation. Romans chapter 8, at the end, it says this, not an angel, not a demon, nothing can separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, we are in his arms. And they are golden arms. And not only that, what's it say? Set with jewels. So they have a little bling to them. Fourteen, his body, his body. If you could put your phone on silent. I know you told them to take them out, but uh, just, you know. Make sure they're on silent, please. His body, his body, his body. That word in the New American Standard in the King James Version says that it's carved, carved, carved. His body is carved? Yeah, Christ's body on the cross was carved. Do you know that Jesus was scourged before he was crucified? And a Roman soldier... Which was called a lectern, which—and I might be pronouncing that wrong. Anybody from Rome, you know, feel free to correct me. Um, so, 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 this guy's job was to take a whip, and at the end of the whip, there was glass, there was nails, there was metal and sharp objects. It was put in a ball, and that ball—and they pointed out. So, this guy's job was to be a perfectionist in the area of the person's back while they're leaning up against the pole. And from a distance, they would whip. And every time they would whip, it would go exactly where he wanted it to go. And when that thing went in your skin, it would rip skin out. They used to beat people like this up to 39 times because if they went to 40, people usually died. Jesus was scourged. His entire back was ripped out. You could see his vertebrae. You could see his ribs, and his back was going up and down on that bloody cross that wasn't smooth like this, because the only way you could breathe is to lift yourself up, and he's got to have that open, ripped back, like love, 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 love. His body was carved for you was carved for you and me. And, and man, burn, 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 God. This love in me that is so strong that I will never deny you again. Right? That I accept your love, that I see your love, and, and it becomes so strong in me that I would embrace pain for you, Jesus. I would suffer the loss of all things for you, Jesus. That's what Paul says. I've suffered the loss of all things that I may experience the sufferings of Christ. Oh, wow. He was in love. See, see, listen, church, if you think that Christianity is this rules I've got to follow, you've got Christianity all wrong. Christianity is this, that Christ, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in you and you become born again and Christ puts his spirit in you. And as you gaze upon him and all who he is and you understand his character and nature and, and you worship him and you understand how great he is, how much of a, of a loving God he is, how kind he is, how compassionate he is, Like it wells up in you so that you want to obey his word. It's not legalism, it's love. So when you consistently and constantly disobey Scripture, here's what your prayer should be. Jesus, I don't love you. Because if I did, I would obey your commandments. But now that I'm exposed, will you change my selfish, corrupt heart And I want that new covenant heart, which you said you're going to give, a new heart. So that I begin to love you so much that I have a desire to obey your commands. This is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. And he puts his spirit in you. So that you can overcome everything that you're dealing with, Christian. But for me, it started with me being honest with Jesus. I don't love you because I don't have any desire to obey your word. And many of you, many of you know that that's when things start changing, when you're actually real with God because he desires truth in the inward parts. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you're not condemned. You, you, you're experiencing a conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. And conviction is not condemnation. How could you? What's wrong with you? Conviction is, God, I'm convicted that I don't really love you, but change me. And he says, I'm right here to change you. Conviction always brings you back to Jesus. And those 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 golden arms. So his body is polished, it's carved. It's polished ivory. I want you to jot down these passages here. It says in Isaiah, Actually, let's go there. Let's go to go to Isaiah sixty three fifteen. God bless you. You know, back in the day when I had that religious spirit in me, I wouldn't say God bless you because God bless you came from people who thought when somebody sneezed, they had demons. So I just didn't say that. God killed a Pharisee in me. That needs to be somebody's prayer. It was mine. It still is. All right, Isaiah sixty-three fifteen. The yearning, the yearning, the yearning, the yearning of your heart and your mercies towards me. God yearns for you. His belly, his belly, his body, his compassion, right? This word in the KJV of his body can be translated his belly. And it's the Hebrew word used to communicate an, an idea of yearning or a tender compassion He's yearning for you his heart for you let's go to isaiah 40:11 i want you to see this word picture and this is talking about jesus you're right there in isaiah just flip a few pages back 40 verse 11 this verse comforts me sometimes When I feel like I'm alone, when I feel like, man, God, are you really there? This is a great verse. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. Who's the good shepherd? Jesus, John 10. He's always tending his flock. If you see problems in the church, first tell it to Jesus, it's his flock. He will gather the lambs. So his his arms of gold are gathering his... This is the heart of God. He wants to gather. He wants to gather. He doesn't want to scatter. He wants to gather. And this is why for those of you who, who throw stones at other churches and the American church and this, you know, don't do that because you're not gathering people. The church is the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head. It is the bride of Christ. Be very careful. You're not scattering people away from the shepherd and his flock. And he will carry them in his what? His bosom, his belly, his body. He's he's wanting to carry them in that. And he gently leads those that are with young. Jesus is a gentle, loving leader that leads from a place of a deep yearning inside of him, full of compassion in his belly, and he loves you so much. He has you close to his heart. He's always, always has you in his strong arms of gold. Amen? This is really good news. All right, let's go back to 14, please. Song of Songs 5. Now, if I, everywhere we go, we're always going to come, come back to Song of Songs 5. Sorry, I forgot to tell you that. I got to do a better job. Pray for me. It's bedecked, his arms, right? They're bedecked with sapphires. So they're set with jewels. Think about that for a second. How amazing is that? Now, I hesitated to take you to this next place because I'm like, uh, Jesus, we're talking about you, but now we're going to We're going to talk about Satan. Now listen, we are not Mormons. We do not believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Okay? We're not Mormons here. We believe that Jesus is God. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. Now that I said that, please go to Ezekiel chapter 28 and we're going to look at this guy that's dressed in red with little horns coming out of his head with a pitchfork and a cape. No, 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 church. He masquerades as an angel of light. And because we're looking for this funny-looking dude on Halloween with red and a cape and a pitchfork, we miss him. So let's get a glimpse of who Satan is and what he actually looks like. He's a created being. The reason I had you go to Colossians 1, by the way, is because through Jesus, he created everything. Jesus was here during creation. Ezekiel 28.12. It says, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Ezekiel 28.12. 12. You are the signet of perfection. Notice the word "word"; It's really important. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13. You were in Eden. Now, this is very important because a lot of people say, it's the king of Tyre. No, no, no. It wasn't. That king wasn't in Eden. But who was in Eden? Adam and Eve and who else? Yeah. You were in Eden in the garden of God and every precious stone was your covering. So angelic beings, this is really important, guys. They are covered in, in Sardis. Not all of them, by the way, but a lot of them are. So let's look, look, look. Sardis, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings on the day you were created. Put Colossians 1 over that. Jesus wasn't created, he is the creator. Through him, all things were made, and nothing exists without him. So this is a created being. That was beautiful. That was given wisdom. Not only that, you were an anointed cherub. So, you, so, so it's saying it's an angel, okay? I placed you. That means somebody else had authority and not him. I placed you, you were on the mountain, the holy mountain of God. Wow. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. Let me just say something to you, church. There's a lot of false sayings. Again, this is is hopefully where religious spirits come to die. I hear people say, oh, Chris, you got to... You gotta get in the spirit. You gotta have the, the the presence of God just fall into place because once somebody experiences the presence of God, they're never gonna be changed. Well, what do you do with this passage? I'm not God, we want your presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Satan was in the presence. So let's get our doctrine right. Once you see a miracle, you'll never be able to t- turn away again. And listen, what happened to the Israelites? What did they see? And they all died off in the, in the desert. Oh, if that person's just healed. woo! Look at those leopards. Ten of them were healed. How many came back? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the 5,000, they got that miracle too, right? What did Jesus say? Hey, guys, you're here because you want food. And we forget about what Jesus says in Matthew sixteen four: an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. You might want to write that down. An alt- adulterous and evil generation seeks for a sign. The question is, why do you want it? I want you to write down Mark chapter 16. This is the difference between disciples and religious spirits. This is very important. So that first reference was Matthew sixteen four. And now I got you in Mark 16, 17, it says these signs will accompany or follow those who believe. Disciples, they don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow disciples. Because a wicked and sinful generation needs the lights and the show and the amazing and the glory and the gold dust and the and I can keep going. What if God never heals? We'll worship him. But guess what? He may heal today because he's good. He may heal today. You may go down on the ground and worship and flop like a fish today because he's good, because he's good. And he may want to touch you in a special way today. We don't discount signs and wonders here. We don't say, no, God, we only want you to work a certain way here. No, we want what you want to give, God. And when we say, God, I want more of you, sometimes, and most of the time, listen, we don't realize what we're asking for. Because his word, it comes like a fire. And when his spirit comes, we see people fall dead. When his spirit comes, we see people say, woe is me, I'm, an, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst a people with unclean lips. Burn, burn what doesn't belong, God. I repent because you are holy, I am not. Amen. Amen. We don't follow signs. They follow us. Hashtag Jesus. Let's stay in Ezekiel, because it's important. It says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created, again, saying he was created, till unrighteousness was found in you. You might want to highlight that. How many of us have been doing good and walking in the presence of God, and then all of a sudden, the insidious nature of pride creeps in, and all of a sudden, we get off. If somebody who was seeing God for who he was, if pride got in there, please, Christian, understand that pride can get in you. We need to be a humble people. Please, God, make us humble. And see, here's what happens sometimes when there is healings, when there are signs and wonders. A lot of times people think they had something to do with it. And all of a sudden it gets back in. You are blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. Verse 16 In the abundance of your trade, you are filled with violence in your midst. Satan is violent. You sin, so I cast you. I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O guardian chariot, from the midst of the stones of fire, and your heart was proud because of your beauty. How many of us walk around with physical beauty privilege, and our heart becomes prideful? God keep me from pride if there's ever a time that you receive a good sermon here I want you to understand something for me it's because I was able to get out of the way enough to allow God to speak through me if you you don't say good word pastor because if it's good it wasn't my word Don't you ever forget that. And this is why some of you, you need to ask God to help you to fail and fail and fail until you really believe you have nothing to do when success happens. Because a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven, John 3, 27. Everything I got has been given to me. And I will boast in my weakness because Christ alone is my strength. Your heart was proud, verse 17. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground. Right there, you can put Luke 10, 18. Why? Because in Luke 10, 18, Jesus says this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan was cast out of heaven. And Jesus was there when it happened. Luke 10, 18. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. Now, back to Song of Songs 5, please. And again, Holy Spirit, allow us to separate out what's going on here. Let me just say, church, this is not King Solomon. He didn't have rods of gold. (laughs) He didn't have the, the, the jewels on him. This is Jesus, the king of kings. And God, because he's loving, he creates us in his image and his likeness. And so the angelic beings had some of his splendor on them when he created them. But understand, Jesus is not created. He's not an angel. And so this picture of Satan can't even be compared to the greatness of who Jesus is and his glorious splendor. So ask God for a greater revelation. Ask him. 14b, it's bedecked with sapphires. These these mounting inlaid jewels in ivory and gold, it takes great skill, creativity, and precision And so Jesus has great discernment in how he uses his compassion in the precise use of his strength. He's never going to be too hard. He's never going to be too soft. He's perfect with his hands. I never spanked my kids with my hands. I always use something else. Why? Because I want them to know that these hands are full of love. 15. His legs are alabaster, or you could put marble columns set on bases of gold. Christ alone is our rock. Christ alone is our sure foundation. And we begin to build our lives on the rock, according to Matthew chapter 7, and become like him when we hear his words and we do them. That's the cry of a disciple. Verse 15. His appearance or his countenance is like Lebanon. And remember from from a few weeks ago, (laughs) a couple months ago, that (laughs) Lebanon was the Paris of the Middle East. It's beautiful. And so your countenance is beautiful. It's radiant. It's glorious. In Psalm 4, verse 6, it says, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. And we should be praying that, disciple. God, may your countenance be upon us so that we shine for you, so that we glow for you, so that we burn for you. You know, Moses, when he was talking to God, he came down from the mountain and his face glowed, say, I want to glow like Mo. I want to glow like Mo. So it says in 16, his mouth is sweet. It's sweet. It's sweet. Yeah, Psalm 1910 says that more to be desired your words are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of a honeycomb. God is saying his word is sweeter than a sweeter than a sweeter than a honeycomb. Those of you who went to K.A. know that song. Sweeter than a sweeter? Anyway, I won't sing it for you. Verse 16. Here's the summation of her description of her lover. He is altogether desirable. Again, wives, that might be a good line. Baby, you're altogether desirable. No, don't say it with that voice, but. um, (laughs) Altogether desirable, yeah, there's no flaw in you. This is my final summary of him. You are so desirable. You are so lovely. Nothing compares to your matchless beauty. You are affectionate. You are silent. You are awesome. You are terrifying. You are humorous. You are playful. You're happy. You're grinning. You're aggressive. You're majestic. You're memorizing. You are indescribable. You are altogether lovely. Nothing and no one compares to you. Jesus. Jesus. He's our King. And this is why she's in love, because she saw him. And then verse 16, and we're going to close with this, but you know what that means, right? (laughs) This is my beloved and this is my friend. That was my focus verse. My my beloved and my friend. You might want to highlight friend. We got a lot of fake book friends. oh my gosh, I got somebody who wants to be my friend. I feel so encouraged. (laughs) Then they start arguing with you, everything you post three weeks later. (laughs) This person's friending me. In America, we don't know what friendship means because we do not live in the land of covenants. And so I want you to turn... To a few different places. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 18. And I'm gonna do a quick drive by of definition of friendship, all right? And so, why, why spend time here? This is really, really, really important, guys. We need to know what a friend is so we can be a friend. And a lot of us are not friends, we don't know what that means. So, Proverbs 18 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin. I got 3,000 friends on Facebook. Uh, but there is a, a, put that there. A, 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 parents, train up your kids. Look for that one. Sticks closer than a brother. And by the way, you know who that one is? That is Jesus. He is our friend. He is our beloved and he is our friend. I want you to go over to Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Oh, this is another good one. This is on every men's group shirt. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Here, listen, for iron to sharpen iron, it has to get close. It has to have friction. It has to rub. It has to create heat. Listen, you're not real friends unless you're getting in somebody's grill. Who are you to talk to me like that? I went female, then English. I don't know what happened. I call my voices today. I'm sorry. I want you to go back to Proverbs 17, please. Proverbs 17, 17. This is a big one. Oh, it's so sad that we don't see this in the church of Jesus Christ. A friend loves when? At all times. Yeah, when that means when for better or for worse. When you're at your worst, you can count on me as a friend. A brother is born for adversity. When you're going through adverse situations, listen, I want to stick with you through thick and thin because I'm going to love you at all times. I'm going to love you even when you're in sin. Now, listen, we don't have time to go there, but on your own time, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that if someone claims to be a Christian but is living in sexual immorality... That you need to, and they they claim to be a Christian, but they're not repenting of their sin. It says, don't even eat with such a person. There is no better friend to say to someone, you're in sin right now. You're living with someone who's not your wife. You're committing adultery right now, and I'm not going to eat with you until you repent of that. That's church discipline. That's 1 Corinthians 5. But 1 Corinthians 5 doesn't stop there because Paul writes 2 Corinthians chapter 2 when he says, The person that was kicked out of the church, it's time to bring him back. Why? Because a friend loves at all times. It's not, I'm done with you. Peace out, bro. It's, Hey, I've got to wipe off my sandals from you because you're an unrepentant sin. But because you're my friend, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And hopefully, I'll be able to take you to lunch. But if you don't repent, I can't take you to lunch. But I want to take you to lunch. I want to welcome you back in the church. But listen, God is holy. And my fear for you is that I might not spend eternity with you because you're not willing to submit to what our king says. See, a friend loves at all times, and love sometimes is hard. Let's go to John 15, 13. So if you're taking note, and I hope you are, Proverbs 17, 17, right? A friend loves at all times. That's number one. That's how to be a friend. And sometimes things aren't easy to deal with in the church because we don't want to offend anybody. Did that ever stop Jesus? offense offending people did that ever stop jesus no it didn't and who is jesus he's god and god is what love and sometimes friends have to hurt one another and so john fifteen thirteen: greater love is no one than this than when someone lays down his life for his what so point number two a friend lays down his life for you that's what a friend does what, is it, what does it mean to lay down your life? Look at the cross. Look at what Jesus did. I will die for you. I'm committed to you until you are well. I love you. Love one another as I've loved you." And so a friend really does lay his life down for people, how many people do you know that actually would lay down their life for you? Look at verse 14. You're my friends, if you do what I command you, understand this, please, that this is not an if-then statement. If you're thinking if-then, Jesus doesn't operate that like that. Why? Because he made a covenant with his body. He knows you can't obey his commands without him. That's why the disciples were told to wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere. You're incapable of love, with love without the Holy Spirit. That's why Romans 5.5 5 is so important. It says that the agape of God is inside of you. The love of God is inside of you. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot agape. And so Jesus is saying this. It's only when we abide in his spirit can we obey his commands. And when we obey these things, it shows that we are covenant friends. It shows that we really, really love him if we have a desire to obey him, if we have a desire to please him. If we have no desire to please him, we might not have the Holy Spirit, and we might not be friends with God. And so point number three, true friends will desire to please the other to do what another wants. Let's look at verse 15. No longer do I call you servants. We're still in John 15. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you what? Friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. Friends share everything. That would be point number four. Friends share everything every judgmental thought. Hey, man, we've been friends for a long time, but I think you have halitosis. We've been friends for a long time, but you cannot dress. Let me help you out. We've been friends for a long time. Honey, how do I look in this outfit? Does it make me look? And a true friend makes known Everything. It's so the last point. Everything. True friends share face to face. They f- share everything. Abraham was a friend of God. That's what scripture says. This is the last place, and then we're done. Psalm twenty five, fourteen. Abraham was known as a friend of God, a friend of God. Abraham became a friend of God because God, in Genesis 15, made a covenant with Abraham. God came to Abraham and he made a covenant with him, cutting an animal in half and making promises and agreements to Abraham. And after that covenant, Abraham became a friend of God. Look at What it says in Psalm 25, 14, friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. So a question, do you fear God? Do you reverence God? Is there an awe for God? Because if you have no fear of the Lord, you're not his friend. We sing songs, I am a friend of God, I am a friend, but we live sometimes like I really don't care what he says. He makes known, that Hebrew word is the word yada, 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 not Yoda, but yada. It's 947 times, it's translated, it's used as an intimate, united knowing, it's a face-to-face kind of knowing. It was used to speak in Exodus 33:11. 11, thus the Lord used to speak, To Moses, face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. There is this intimacy that God wants with us, and it's only going to come if we really, really fear him, if we're friends with him. And then, not only that, he makes known to them his covenant. Jesus is our covenant friend. Do you know marriage is a covenant? See, covenants were made when you would take, and you can read it this in Genesis 15, they took a heifer, they cut the heifer in half, and blood would spill out in the aisle. It would spill out on the ground, and the people making the covenant would walk through it, and after they turned around, after walking through it, they would say to one another, if I break this covenant, you can treat me like this heifer, like this dead animal. That's what a friendship covenant is. That's what a covenant friend is, that if I break this, you can kill me. That's how the Old Testament sees. This is why marriage is important. You have the bride side and the groom side. Why are they separate? Because it's a covenant. It's representing the animal that's cut in half. That's why blood should be in the middle. And not only that, you stand before God and witnesses, and you recite what? Vows. You promise for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, and there's witnesses. This is why I don't want people get married at the courthouse apart from the church. Why? The courthouse marries homosexuals. When you get married in front of the church, Christ is in the midst. Christ is there, and witnesses are there. So when a husband is not laying down his life for his wife, the church can come in and hold to account, you made this covenant before God and before the witnesses that you would love her for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, no matter what. You made a covenant before a holy God, and I want to warn you, you're about to get cut in half, brother. Not by the church, by the way. We'll try to sew those halves together. Not only was there a covenant where vows were exchanged, but also we exchanged rings. The rings would represent a marking. Back in the day with covenants, they would usually cut stuff and, and, and put tattoos or something, and they'd become like blood brothers. So there was a mark. Do you see the mark on Jesus, the nails in his hands? Why? Because he made a covenant for you. And not only that, not only that, when there's a covenant that's made, you exchange authority. So everything that I have, it's my wife's bank account. It's my wife's house. It's my wife's car. Everything is hers, and everything that she has is mine. Uh, by the way, I get the better deal because I was broke as a joke. Anyway, so, so, so listen, it's all hers. Everything. We're one now because of the covenant that we made with God. And what God has joined together, what? Let no one separate. And that puts a fear in the church. And I want you to understand, the covenant, the covenant, the covenant points to the cross. His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. He made a covenant on your behalf. He allowed himself to be slaughtered and killed and crucified because of his love for you. And the marks on his hands and on his feet, they represent that. The seal of the Holy Spirit represents that. He has a covenant with you. When he says, my authority I give to you, guess what? He's given us his authority. His authority. He he came as the, 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 the son of man. He came as the son of God, but, but he's also the son of man. And we are the son of man, and now we begin to become sons of God. So there's a name exchange in the covenant. And so I am now a Christian. He lets me walk around with his name. The son of God became the son of man because he's calling sons of men to become sons of God. It's covenant love that cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. And oh, this is what the cross speaks. God came to give friends. You are my beloved and you are my friends. You are my beloved and you are my friend. Oh God, we thank you for your covenant. Worship team, come on up. Prayer partners, come on up. Please. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us because you wanted covenant friends. You spilled your blood to have us. And your blood speaks. It speaks. We were bought by the precious blood of Christ. It speaks. We are now one with you, God, because of your blood, Jesus. We are now your bride. We carry your name. We carry your authority. Teach us how to be good friends to you. We thank you that you are a good friend to us. Never leaving us or forsaking us. Sticking close to us. Loving us at all times. We thank you, Jesus, that you were born for adversity. You're born for that. We thank you for the covenant. We thank you that you've made us your own. Awaken us, God to this covenantal love and the depths of its meaning. We now are part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.